this is Cardinal Francis George. I invite you to join me for the next few minutes to reflect with Father Robert Barron on the Word of God, which is the Word on Fire. Word on Fire Catholic Ministries is a nonprofit ministry at the forefront of Catholic evangelization, using new media to spread the faith on every continent. Father Barron challenges us to open our hearts to the Word on Fire, which is God's Word of love for each of us. If our hearts are open, the Lord can change and transform us so that we might speak with love about the one who is love. The global benefactors of Word on Fire, with the support of the Archdiocese of Chicago, now present Word on Fire. Peace be with you. Friends, the great story of the man born blind in the ninth chapter of John's Gospel is, of course, a masterpiece. John was both a spiritual and literary master, and his gifts are on full display in this telling. Like the wedding feast at Cana, like the woman at the well, like Lazarus, this story is a microcosm of the spiritual life. And so it behooves us to attend to its rhythms and dynamics very carefully. The one thing you should never do with stories in John's Gospel is just kind of brush over them and get the main ideas, the main characters. You're going to miss so much of the spiritual and psychological richness in them. So here's how the story opens. As Jesus passed by, he saw a man blind from birth. Now, as you know, in the Bible... Blindness is often taken as a symbol for sin. Because one of the results of the fall is compromised vision or compromised consciousness. We don't get things. We don't see correctly. You know, very often in the spiritual tradition, we talk about people, they're physically able to see, they they see the world, but they don't get it. They don't see the patterns. And so this man, blind from birth, is a kind of Yedermann figure. He's an everyman figure. He's evocative of all of us, victims of original sin, and therefore unable to see. Now, who's Jesus? Quite simply, he's the enemy of darkness, He says in John's Gospel, I am the light of the world. He's not just showing off or drawing attention to himself there. He's saying something very fundamental about his identity and mission. I'm the one who's come to bring light. Conditioned by him, drawn into his mystical body, we get things. We see. Very often in the iconographic tradition in the East, when they show the Last Supper, they'll show John the evangelist, John the apostle, the author of this story, with his head leaning on the breast of Jesus so that he sees on the same line as Jesus. It's a powerful spiritual symbol, isn't it? John sees the way Jesus sees. Origen said, holiness is to see with the eyes of Christ. That's what happens now when you get grafted onto his mystical body. The light comes on. You get things. So having seen the man born blind, Jesus does something, frankly, a little weird. He spits on the ground and makes a 
mud paste and rubs it on the blind man's eyes. Now, Augustine's magnificent commentary says that this is an evocation of the incarnation. The spittle coming from the mouth of Jesus represents his divinity, and the mud coming from the earth represents his humanity. It's the coming together of the two that creates a, it's a lovely play on words here, a salve, right? S-A-L-V-E. That's related to Latin salus, which means health. He makes a salve, a kind of healing balm for sin-sick eyes. And then he rubs this into the blind man's eyes. It's symbolic of Christ, divine and human, the incarnate Lord, who in his very person is a salve, therefore, that's rubbed into sin-sick eyes. Paul talks about putting on the Lord Jesus Christ. It's like a putting on a garment. But here, even more vividly, is like rubbing him into our eyes is what enables us to see. After applying the salve, Jesus tells the man to wash in the pool of Siloam, which is right by the Jerusalem temple. John helpfully tells us that Siloam in Hebrew means scent. Over and over again in the Gospel of John, Jesus refers to himself as the one who was sent. So the pool of Siloam is a symbol of baptism, isn't it? A total immersion in the one who was sent. So we have to learn Jesus the way we learn a new language, by total immersion. He's rubbed into our eyes and then we're plunged into him. This is baptism. This is all of us, blind in original sin, salved and washed by him. You know, again, I've said it a million times, I know too, but Jesus is not just a teacher that's teaching us truths. He's a force field. You know, in him, in him, grafted onto him, eating his body, drinking his blood, having his, the, the salve rubbed in our eyes, having been dipped into the water, which symbolizes him, the one who is sent. That's how we come to see. Now, when he comes back, he, the blind man, comes back able to see, his neighbors who used to sit with him are a little bit confused. Some say, oh yeah, it's the same guy. Others say, no, no, it just looks like him. Well, see, it's a bit of a comic relief, I suppose, but it's a wonderful little detail. Once you put on the Lord Jesus Christ, I mean really put him on, you're really not the same person. You bear a resemblance to the person you used to be. You know, you look a lot like him, maybe you dress the same way, all that. But really, you're changed. You're changed in every aspect of your life. You look like the person you used to be, but you've now become a new person. That's why, again, in baptism, we put on the white garment. It symbolizes the the renewal, the novelty that you experience. Here's another wonderful detail. And Again, John is a literary master. Whoever you know, the author of this gospel was, some say it was John the Evangelist, others you know, debate that, but whoever he was, he was someone who was 
deeply, deeply rooted in a in a complex and subtle literary tradition. Because watch how carefully and with such nuance he tells the story. When they ask the man himself, there's disagreement. You know, is this the guy? And some say yes, yeah, some say no. When they ask him, he says in the Greek, ego eimi. Now, the sense of it, and you see it in the English translation, is, oh no, that's me. It's really me. But see, in the Greek, ego eimi, I am, is used over and over again in John. I am the bread of life. I am the good shepherd. I am the gate. I am the way, the truth, and the life. When they come to get him in the Garden of Gethsemane, they're looking for Jesus of Nazareth. He says, Ego eimi, I am. And see, that's meant to signal Exodus 3.14. When Moses asked God, what's your name? And he says in the Greek, Ego eimi ho'on. I am who am. I am the one who is. Here's this formerly blind man, now able to see. And the point is, he speaks in the very language of Jesus. Ego eimi. When you're baptized, you become another Christ, not just a follower, not just a disciple. You become another Christ. You're grafted onto him. See, all of this is being said over and over again. Now, at this point, the story takes a, a kind of dramatic turn, and it corresponds to an inescapable reality of a spiritual life, namely that conformity to Jesus does not automatically make you popular, just the contrary. They bring the man to the Pharisees, and the Pharisees interrogate him as to the nature and condition of his cure. It becomes clear that Jesus healed him on a Sabbath day when a pious Jew is not supposed to work. And so the Pharisees condemn Jesus. Now, what's staggering here, what happens all the time, is how these religious leaders completely overlook the stunning miracle that's happened in their midst. And everyone agrees this miracle happened. And instead, they concentrate on legal niceties. They utterly ignore the breathtaking breakthrough of grace, and they focus on the fussy details of the law. Why now? So as to indulge their own taste for violence and division. Sad but true, every one of us in original sin, we have a certain lust for violence and division. Remember that people are deeply uh, uh, divided by the blindness, deeply indebted to blindness, deeply invested in blindness. Entire structures, organizations, manners of proceeding have been predicated upon spiritual blindness. The darkness doesn't like the light, and those who are still invested in darkness resist liberation. That's a basic truth, isn't it? So we hear in the Gospel of John, there was division among them. Well, that shouldn't surprise us. When you've come to see, some will rejoice with you, and others will throw stones at you. That's just the way it is. After the Second interrogation, the blind man is, the formerly blind man, is thrown out bodily. But Jesus seeks him out. This is the consistent approach of the good shepherd, isn't it? Jesus seeking the lost. He asks a very simple question. 
do you believe in the Son of Man? The relevant word here is pistis in the Greek, which means faith or trust or confidence. Jesus wants us to put every ounce of our trust in him, and that's how our vision will deepen. See, this is in many ways the heart of the matter. Decenter your ego and recenter it on Christ. Now that you see, believe. Then comes the magnificent answer, I do believe, Lord. And then we hear the formerly blind man worshipped Jesus. There's the whole biblical narrative. There's the whole spiritual life in one line. The problem's always been bad worship. The solution is always, therefore, right worship. To hold Jesus Christ as the supreme value of your life is the key to vision, salvation, happiness. To worship someone else or something else, that's blindness, that's sickness, and deep unhappiness. Look at what you see here, therefore. A trajectory in the story from unbelief, it's blindness, to immersion, baptism, through opposition, there's much of the Christian life, to fullness of faith and worship. There's the trajectory of the whole spiritual life. Jesus concludes, I came into this world for judgment. What that means is he's the watershed. He's the decisive point. He's the crisis. Either you're with him with all your heart, worship him with your whole soul and might and strength, or you don't. Either you see or you're blind. And God bless you. I hope you were moved today by the word on fire. I pray that together we might become a people on fire with love for God and neighbor here in Chicago and wherever these words are heard. Until we join Father Barron again next week, I'm Cardinal Francis George, and I pray that God will bless you and those you love.